So you're getting your sheets. We're about to go into our session for today. So we've been talking about dog sledding. And like I said, I know this is a weird thing to talk about. We don't have dog sleds in Atlanta. But that's why I love stuff like this. I, I know some of you are like, this is weird. Why, why is Chris talking about this? But, but understand, like, I am a super curious kind of person. How many of you are like that? Like, like you find out about something and you're like, huh, I want to know more about that. That's how I am. And, and I'm that way about anything that I don't know a lot about, I want to know more about. And some of you have had discussions with me where I bring up weird things and you're like, why do you know that? And it's like, because I, I wondered it and so I had to find out. And um, so that's what this has been for me, this process. And so uh, you remember, like we've talked about how uh, last week we talked about how you have to learn to stay, to sit still, um, to listen. Was that last week? Yeah. The, and, then, and then the week before we talked about listening to God and paying attention to what he's calling you to do. And, and, and we, the first week we talked about the fact that like when a puppy is being trained, they let it run alongside the sled to see if it, it, it really wants to be part of the team. And and we talked about that as a middle schooler, that's kind of where you are. You're to the point now where you're starting to say, where do I fit into everything? And some of you, you've asked that question and you've started to find the answer to it. Some of you, you keep asking, but you don't know the answer. But, but you want to know, what does God have for me? Where does God want me to be? And, and so we want to kind of, as, as our final week, we're going to kind of dig into that today. Um, so one of the things I learned when I was looking at the dog sleds is that the dogs in the team all have specific roles. So when you think about it, there's the dogs at the front, there's the dogs in the middle, and then there are the dogs at the back closest to the sled. And the thing is, once you've learned to run close to the sled, if they put you in the front, you won't pulled the right way. It's really cool. They have terms for them. So the dog in the front, anybody know what the dog in the front, the dogs in the front are called? What are they called? The lead dog. And lead dogs, lead dogs are trained to listen very closely for the, for the, the uh, direction that they're given and respond in a very specific way. Lead dogs usually are pretty strong and big because they have to break the trail too. So sometimes snow will build up. The lead dog's running through more snow than the other dogs. Because as, as he's running through this snow and powering through it, he's breaking it up. So the next dog, it's looser for them. So the lead dog has to be big, strong, has to be really good at listening. And, and, uh, and that's, that's what it's made for. A lead dog will not run well if you put it in the back because it's not challenged, it's not pushed, right? It wants to be in front, it, it needs that role. Now, the second group, the middle area, they're called swing dogs, swing dogs. And now swing dogs, they're following the lead dog, but they don't follow him exactly. It's weird, right? You would think, oh, the swing dog doesn't have to do anything, they're just following what the leader does. But when they hear the command, they literally, when they hear the command that says, like, 
to turn right, they literally turn left a little bit before they turn right. They swing. And the reason why is so that the sled, so that the rest of the dogs can follow in a straight track. So if they turned, like if the lead dog turned and they turned too, you see, like instead of going around the curve, they would go like this. They would cut the curve off, right? And they'd, go, they'd end up in heavy snow, not on the trail. They could end up in the trees, all kinds of stuff like that. So a swing dog knows specifically when it hears that command, it knows that it needs to go a little bit to the other direction first and then go. Now the last group, the last section are the, the ones right up close to the sled, usually the right in front, the two dogs right in front of the sled. And those are called wheel dogs. And the wheel dogs, they take the curve really wide and because they're responsible for what direction the sled is going to go. So the driver of the sled is hitting the brake to keep in line with the wheel dogs, and the wheel dogs are swinging out so that when you make that turn, the sled won't go into unbroken snow. Because if it does, if half the sled goes into unbroken snow and half the sled is on the trail, the sled will flip, right? So the wheel dogs make sure the sled keeps its runners on the ground. Now, all three sets of those dogs if you have a, a dog team where all three sets of those dogs know exactly what they're doing and they do it with, by instinct, then you, you hardly ever even have to slow down for turns. They can take you at speed through really sharp turns because they know what to do and they know how to, how to move the sled. But if you took a dog team, that same group of dogs that are so good in their roles and you shuffle those roles up, you might have trouble even moving at any speed. And, and a lot of times that's, I, I love that illustration because a lot of times that's what we are as a church, right? And so there are some people here, uh, some people in this room, you've got leaders in this room who are volunteers who come, they play games with you, they hang out with you, they listen to you when you have a problem. The, their role is different than my role right? Now, not that I wouldn't listen to you and play games with you and stuff like that. I'll do all that. But, but my role is different than theirs. But if we take them out of the mix, then the sled doesn't move the way it's supposed to move, right? Uh, some of you, your parents, they're solid Christians. They're following the Lord. They're doing, but maybe they're engineers, Maybe they work at Walmart. I don't know. But they're following Jesus, and they're doing the things they're supposed to do, and they're a great example to the rest of the world, and they're doing things that I can't do. Right? And, and I know we've talked about this before, but I really want you guys, you guys have to understand this, because I didn't understand this when I was your age, and I think it kind of messed up the way I thought about things for a little while. Being a, a full-time minister, being someone on a church staff or a pastor is not the highest calling you can have as a Christian. The highest calling you can have as a Christian is the one that God puts on your life. The thing that God has for you to do that no one else can do. And, and when I was younger, 
not only did I think that the highest calling was to be a pastor, the problem is, too, with that was when I got to the point, when I got my first position where I was a youth pastor, I thought I was super cool. I thought I had reached the pinnacle of Christianity. And that's a dangerous place to be, you guys. Dangerous place to be. Because when you think you've got everything made, that's when everything hits the fan and you realize you're not as cool as you thought you were. Right? I think I've become a better minister as I've gone along because I realize how small my role is in the bigger scheme of things. I mean, I'm, I'm your middle school pastor, but most of you only hear from me uh, between 25 and 30 minutes a week. So I don't have a lot of influence on you guys. If you reread the papers during the week, then maybe I have a little more on that. Or, or maybe if uh, you, you come on Wednesday night and we talk about stuff, maybe I have a little more than that. But for most of you, the, the pinnacle of influence that I have is like, an hour a week if you come on Wednesday night and you're in training, you know? So, but you have parents in your life who have a lot of influence on you, for good or bad, maybe. But some of you, like, you go, I don't want to listen to my parents. But honestly, your parents know a lot of things about you that I don't know. Your parents can give you advice that I wouldn't be able to give because I don't know you. Your parents know how to move the sled of your life around the curve. I'm just out front trying to break a trail, right? But that doesn't mean if I don't have your parents, if I don't have other people behind me, if we don't have leaders who are, who are helping you guys along, none of that works, right? So the highest calling that you can have in your Christian life is the calling that God puts on your life. And you may say, well, I don't know what the calling that God's putting on my life. All you got to do is start looking for it. You start looking for it, you're going to find it. It's crazy how that works. But God says, look, if you'll seek me, then you'll find me. If you'll seek me with your whole heart. If you'll, if you'll come after me and you'll look for what I have for you, then I'll show it to you. Let, let's fill in some blanks because I, I really want to, we got a lot of Bible verses to read here and I want you guys to kind of understand what we're talking about today. And so here we go. The first thing that you need to know, and this is so important, all, every one of you need to know that God gives us gifts and roles. So God gives everyone in this room, everyone that hears my voice, everyone that's listening to the podcast, whatever you're doing, God has given you specific gifts that are from him. And he has a role in mind for you to fill. I think a lot of times in the Christian life, we get so frustrated. I know a lot of people who get frustrated by the Christian life because they think, like I said, that the highest calling, the highest role is to be a pastor. So they're like, I've got this job, I'm doing this thing, I'm about to quit the job and go to seminary so I can be a pastor. Because that's, that's the highest calling I could have. And I'm looking at the person, and I'm going to say this quiet so you know, no one will hear it, even on the podcast or even you guys, but sometimes people come to me and they say that, and I'm like, you would be a terrible pastor. I mean, I don't, I don't say it to them, but in my mind, I'm thinking, you don't have the gifts for that. You don't have the skill set for that. You want to because you think that's what would make you higher in God's opinion, but it's not who you're made to be. 
you know? And, and, and so when we fill the, when we use the gifts that we're given and we fill the role that we're set out to be. Now, here's something I want you guys to understand. I know I've told this story before, but I want you guys to realize when I was your age, the very first time I spoke in public, and the whole story is longer than this, but short, long story short, the first time I heard my voice feed back off a wall from a microphone, I literally stepped back from the podium and threw up on the floor. Like, it completely freaked me out. And I had been practicing this talk I was supposed to give for a long time, like practicing it even in front of a mirror. They said practice in front of a mirror. But I wasn't prepared for what was going to happen when I heard my voice, like, bounce back from the gymnasium wall, you know, like that echo. And, and I have a weird voice. You guys know that. You've gotten used to it, but I... You know, I've got that Kermit the Frog thing, that uh, Ray Romano, you know, kind of weird nasally thing going on. And, and when I heard it, it was so crazy. I stepped back, I threw up. Now, here's the craziest thing, is that then I stepped back up to the podium and finished my speech because I knew I was supposed to, right? But, 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 but what's really interesting is if you'd have told me then at your age, as a seventh grader, if you'd have told me then, actually, I think I was in eighth grade, if you'd have told me then, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be someone who speaks every week to a group of students. I'd have been like, ha ha, like that's not true. I wouldn't have laughed like that because I didn't laugh like that. I would have probably said, oh, thanks. I wouldn't have, and I wouldn't have said anything else. But, but I would not have believed it. But as I've gone through life, I really believe that that's what God gifted me with. Because it wasn't natural to me to speak in front of people. It wasn't natural to me to want to talk to a crowd of people. It's still a little not natural to me. But every week when I get up here, I really feel like God shows me that this is what I'm supposed to do. And he speaks through me, I hope, to you guys. So look at the, these passages. We got a long passage to read, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let someone read one slide, and then you're going to pass it to the next person. So I'm gonna, I'll go short right here. And uh, so go ahead. This is 1 Corinthians 12, and I love this, this passage. This is a really good passage. So go ahead and read that first slide there, Anna. Just as a body, through though one has many parts, but all its many parts from Form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body was not made up of one part, but many. Right. So pass that on, pass it on to somebody. Oh, good. Terrible throw. Sorry, I was going to say good throw. But yeah, and, 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 I remember when I, the first time I, I read this verse was years ago. And anybody ever watched The Adams Family, right? Adams Family and Thing, isn't it Thing, the, the hand? Yeah, and it's just a hand that crawls around. And I, and I always, every time I read this, I always thought about just this hand that was just scuttling across the floor and, 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 I, and how ridiculous it is. Um, anyway. So go ahead, read that next passage here. Now, the 
foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would be not for that reason stop, that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So anytime someone says the Bible is a super serious book and like it's all like these rules and this serious stuff, you should pull out this passage and read it to them because I think this passage is hilarious. Because the whole idea of like you look at me, I am Chris, but I am Chris because I am this whole body of me. If my foot said, no, I'm Chris, and just started like, like pulling away, that, that, would be, that wouldn't make any sense. And, and so I like that idea that, that Paul here is making this joke that is an obvious joke, that, that your body can't function in, as independent parts. It's made to function together. Um, this afternoon, we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons uh, after the service, and there's a monster that's one of my favorite monsters in Dungeons and Dragons. It's called an Etten. And an Etten is this giant, they're really smelly and disgusting, but the thing that really marks them is that they have two heads. And each of their heads has its own personality and its own ideas about life, and each of, it, each of the heads controls half the body. And so they're, they're so hilarious because one half might decide, I want to go, go to the right, right? And if the other half doesn't agree, then they just end up like in a lunge, right? Because this side's not going to move. And so then the other side's like trying to pull, you know, trying to get... And, and sometimes I think we're, we think as Christians that we have this role and that we're not part of this bigger body. And when we do, it's dysfunctional. It just makes a mess. It might be funny on paper. This wouldn't be funny in real life if your ear just fell off and said, I don't want to be part of the body anymore, right? Um, pass it on. Let's see someone else read. Ooh, nice save. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? By the way, that's another D&D monster called a beholder that's just a big eye that floats around, uh, which would be... It's just weird, right? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. See, and, and, and you think about how hilarious this is, too. Like, even if you shuffle up, even if, if like, one part of the body decides, if the ear decides it wants to smell... Even if it's good at it, you would be a weirdo, right? Like, hand me those fresh cookies. Oh, those are so, oh, they smell so delicious, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to use my mouth to eat anymore. I'm going to use my nostrils. Oh, this is so good, right? Like, you can't, even if, even if a part of the body that's meant for one thing is doing something else, it still is just ridiculous. And, and God has made you to do something. God has made you to be something. And so if you decide, oh no, I just want to be whatever I want to be, but God's designing you to be something else, and you say, I want to be a pastor because I think that's the highest calling, or I want to be this or that because I think that's what I'm supposed to be, but that's not what God has gifted you to be, then, then all you're doing is just messing up the body, 
right? Pass it on. We got a few more verses here, and then we got to hurry on to the end. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Like, we don't think about our feet a lot of times. I don't, I, you know, walk all the time on them. I don't think about them. But when, if you don't take care of your feet, then you'll be sorry, right? Have you ever had like a really bad hangnail or something, like an ingrown toenail? And it's so, it hurts so bad. And, it, and it's little, that's a little thing. But it'll affect everything you do all day long, right? And, and, and so if we, if we don't have all the parts of our body functioning within good parameters, then, then, then it messes us up. It's the same with our Christian life, with the, the church. If you're trying to be something you're not, then, then it messes up other people. It doesn't just mess you up. All right? So now, I think that was the last one, right? Oh, no, there's one more. Uh, faked you out. While our presentable parts need, to be, need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, given greater honor to the parts that Jack it, lacked it, yeah. so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part should should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices it. Very good. So here's the thing I want you guys to think about. If God's called you to be, let's say God's called you to be a nursery worker, and to hold babies on Sunday mornings so that their parents can go worship and not have to worry about what's happening with that baby, right? And that's what you're called to do. And nobody ever sees you, right? Because the baby is not going to remember who you are, right? The baby's going to grow up and not know you. The parents might not really know who you are. Nobody ever sees it. God's saying in this passage, it's saying that you're going to get bigger honor for that than I will for speaking every Sunday. Because God honors the things that aren't seen. God honors the things, he lifts up the things that, that no one else sees because he sees all of it, right? So uh, that's so important for you to, God's going to give you a gift and a role. God is, is, he's already giving you gifts. Some of you are finding out, I've got a gift for things that you didn't even know. God's going to give you a gift, and then he's going to help you find a role to play, right? But then, on top of that, once we have that, we produce fruit, right? We produce fruit. That's our, our thing that we're going to do. So, once those dogs are trained in their role, then the the sled goes faster and faster and runs more and more efficiently, and, and that's the fruit of the sled dog is speed, right? The fruit that you're going to produce in your life is people are going to come to know who Jesus is and, and what he means to us. Now, The thing is, though, if we're going to produce fruit, like this says, we have to 
understand our role, we have to understand our gifts, and then we have to rely on Jesus. Who wants to read the next part here? <coughs> I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does not bear fruit, he produces so that it will be even more fruitful. You will already you are already clean because of the world I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Pass it off quick. I am the vine and you are the branches. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me and you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Very good. So this is what we're made for, right? We're made to, have, to, to find our gifts, to find the role that God set out for us, and then to bear fruit. And, and if we do those things, if we follow these passages, these two passages, and we really look at those two analogies, the body and the vine, then we'll be connected to each other, and we'll be connected to God, and the sled's going to move fast, right? If you feel like you don't know what God has for you, then start asking him. This is the time in your life to start finding that because then you can refine it all through the rest of your life, right? Let me pray for you guys, and then you'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for each one that's here. Lord, I pray that uh, you will help them find the place that they're supposed to be. Lord, help them discover the gifts that you've given them. Help them discover the role that you have for them. And Lord, I just pray that as they do that, they will, they will connect with you. And Lord, that through you, they'll begin to bear fruit. Um, Lord, thank you for all you're doing in and through us, all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.